BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Welcome to How to Survive, the show that teaches you how to survive the stuff that can kill you. Like being attacked by a claw hammer. Or having a bad husband. Uh, or being jumped on the street. No thanks. And the stuff that just makes you wish you were dead. Like doing a tour in high heels. Or putting your shoes on the wrong feet. Or wearing the wrong jacket. I do all of this in the same day. I know. I'm going <laughs> to jump you. <laughs> well then, let's play the theme song. Let's. Welcome to How to Survive with Danielle and Christine. I'm Danielle. And I'm Christine. Christine, how are you? I'm great. Good. You look great. I do? Yeah, you look really happy and oh, wow. healthy and pretty. Thank you. Fresh as oh daisies. Gosh. Keep it coming. It might be because we had a restorative trip. We did. Over the weekend uh, for my birthday. We went to Central Coast. Hearst Castle. Two tours. We took two tours because that's how much of a nerd I am. I wanted to get two experiences. So we took the Grand Rooms tour, which is the... Uh, the big house. The big house where you get like the... Well, you get both the pools in both of them, but um, the uh, dining room, the sun... The day room, they called it, the game room. Yes. And the front room, that first room was like a... Oh, not a living room, but like a... What do you call it? Sitting room? Sitting room. Sitting room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get a lot of... Rugs on walls? Yes. I don't think they call them rugs. They call them tapestries. Thank you. But they're basically rugs on walls. <laughs> we kept joking that it was just slightly less ostentatious than um, Michael, Michael Imperioli's house. Yeah. <laughs> they, they went up there and he was like, this, this, but more. But more. Make it more. And um, we stopped at a requisite um, adorable breakfast place that had a requisite adorable shop next to it. Oh, right. Where we picked up something for Garen. We did. Oh. We got you a little gift. <clears throat> little tiny gift. Oh, my God. Tell the f- folks what it is. <laughs> Hold on, I have to take off my old man glasses. Filthy squirrel soap. <laughs> Chipper woodland pine. Handmade in Hawaii. 
I know. I'm not sure why, <laughs> but it was so adorable. We had a live nakedly. What does it oh, say on the back? That's for the um, twenty dollar Patreon. Yeah, that you we haven't live, set up yeah, yet. Exactly. You get to see Garen live nakedly. Wait, now, what is this level for? Yeah. When my tail is all clean and bushy, who can resist my nutty charm? <laughs> We'll take a picture yeah. of you with it. It's too good. It does smell good, though. Oh, good. Ooh, All right, you. we'll do with it what you will. We were I'll thinking. Rub it on my body. Uh, another far favorite. Another favorite part of our tour was the adorable. Did I say five, six-year-old um, Indian girl in a quinceanera dress holding a baby Yoda? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I have to say, it was so cute. I, nothing for me. I mean, sure, I love a, a tour of a castle. Oh, yeah. But but the highlight. The family. Yeah. There was a family um, dressed all matching in brown and sort of a... It's like a black and... Black and brown? Black and brown. I would say it was, <laughs> it was, it was Gucci inspired. Oh, see, I don't. Oh, wait, get... is, it, is it Gucci? I think it's Gucci that does a lot of blacks and browns. I, or it's that other fancy purse brand I can't think of that's like three letters. But it was very, very black and brown. Yeah. The mom had a, a, a sweater dress that yes. had big puff sleeves. Yeah, which I'm a fan of. And, and then brown boots. And brown boots. And then. Or no, no, it was brown dress and black boots. Black boots, yeah. high, high, high-heeled boots. High-heeled boots to take a tour. And then the daughter <laughs> also had um, the same style, but not the puff sleeves right. and high-heeled boots. Right. And they were carrying a level of a fancy purse. And the son and the father, and the son who was like six. Yeah, they both like a little kid. They dressed in like... Black leather boots. Yeah. Leather brown jackets. Right. And hair slicked back. Right. And was, khakis. Danielle said... <laughs> They're like Schitt's Creek. Yeah. It was really funny. They were like the Schitt's Creek family. They were like the Filipino Schitt's Creek family. It was yeah. It, it was, was really fantastic. Amazing. And I, I was just so <laughs> sad that we didn't run into them again at yeah, some other place. We wanted to know, is this just for the tour that they coordinate, or is this like a daily thing like they where always, everyone has to Oh goodness. I didn't realize that that was a fashionable thing, those two colors together. It just looked a little bit I don't know. I mean, but you, I mean, you're probably right. I think it's, they sure I, look like they had money. I think, at first I thought that. Yeah. But I studied them. <laughs> and I'm, well, she's supposed to be looking at the 16th century uh, Greek statues. I can't look for that long. <laughs> I, I have a short attention span for old antiques. Uh, what does your husband do again? <laughs> he sells um, old antiques. And <laughs> I think that was all H&M. Okay, so all right, that's they still had a rich look about them. Yes, to me they looked moneyed. I think they were very uh, classy looking. Yes, and I I'm proud of them. Right for putting their ki- getting their kids together and agreeing. Yeah, I know to that's, wear the same clothes. I, oh, I tried to kids. do that. Well, the young kid he might have been older than six. He was no older than eight, and the daughter was probably fifteen, sixteen. Yeah. Oh wow. But I mean, I don't think I could have gotten my kids to do that when they were four. <laughs> my daughter would have been ripping the clothes off and just putting her own thing on. Yeah, totally. That's wild. But they have you do a thing. Well, we didn't do it, but they have you do a thing where you can take like a you know like a tourist photo before you go in onto the bus to get up to the Hearst Castle. Mm-hmm. And it was just so cute to me that this little girl with the 
big puffy dress and the Yoda doll. Yeah. Which, of course, her mother was carrying for the rest of the trip sure. because there was no way she was going to keep carrying it. And her mom was dressed up and it then the dad really was cute. like in Yeah, he didn't get the memo. And, no. He did not get the he memo like, I'm that not. the family was dressing up. They should have talked to the other family. Yeah. Figured out how to coordinate. That mom would have put the pressure she, oh, on. Oh, she would have gotten him in something fancy. She's like, you don't get to just show up yeah. looking like you're watching sports. Right. But that big was, screen. Yeah. Sports. Sports. <laughs> um, I, I think saw, they dressed up to impress Chris Hardwick. Well, well he wasn't there. We he, looked for him. We, we did. We looked. Uh, we, Actually, we asked a lot of questions about that. We thought he'd be hiding behind a pillar. Because I was <laughs> under the assumption... Because on both tours, they did say the family, for those of you who don't know, Chris Hardwick, who is a comedian and uh, TV host, and I know him, and I think Chris knows him, and uh, he's been on Never Not Funny. Anyway, I think he's been on Never Not Funny. Yes. Anyway, he married into the Hearst family. He married, what, the granddaughter of Patty Hearst? Something like that? Yeah. She's a model. Is it Lydia? Lydia? That sounds right. Yeah. I don't know. So anyway... (laughs) I had heard that they get to stay there, and it was confirmed on the tour that they get to use the pool. However, they don't stay in Hearst Castle. No, there's another house. Which was hidden to us. We kept looking for it. We kept looking, which I think, did I get this right, Chris? That was the, they they never answered me straight about this question, but that was the house that Hearst lived in with his parents when they weren't camping. I'm still a vacation I'm house, still, not not yeah. the permanent house. I have no idea. Okay, I couldn't really. <laughs> you were just focused on the tan pants. I was just looking at different people. Um, Imagine being so rich that you have a hidden house. Yeah, I, I, they don't own the Hearst family. Doesn't apparently own Hearst Castle anymore. It's Uh-oh. it belongs to the state. It's a state of California property. Yeah, because it's part of the it's, park. It's a museum. Now. Yeah. But they still so. own the house down at the bottom, right? That we that they get to stay in couldn't find because it's hidden behind right. a hill. And they get to drink the wine, but not keep the bottles. Yes, but, but the wine, wine isn't drinkable anymore. That's true. But for for the time period it was, the Hearst family got to drink the wine, but they'd have to. After, this is after they sold. This is after they sold the house um, to the state or donated it, I guess. Back in the fifties. Yeah, right. Whenever he died. Um, I think it was 51. Yeah, something so like that. So they could drink the wine, but they had to return the bottles. They had to return the bottles. There's still a lot of bottles down so there. So there's a lot of full bottles and empty bottles. It was a pretty we cool got to, wine we cellar. We got to see the wine cellar. It was really cool. So. I enjoyed the other night, Kunk yes. on Earth. I was going to tell you to watch it. Oh, it it's made me so funny. so much. Oh my God, it's so good. It's so good. So for those of you who don't know, it's on Netflix. It's a faux um, history. Yeah, like a travelogue or a history log kind of uh this woman is, I guess, I texted my friend who I knew would like the show. Yes. My f- uh, friend Sarah. And I said, you have to watch Conk on Earth. I just knew she would like it. And she was like, oh, I love her. So she already knew who she was. Who she was. Okay. I so didn't recognize her. I'd, so apparently she has YouTube videos that maybe it's the same premise. I don't okay. know. But it's like she's an idiot who is is doing like a history of the world. And, you know, why she's doing it is never explained. Like, why she would be the person hired to do this. And she's talking to experts. Yeah, she's talking to experts. And she just asks idiotic questions. It's yes. sort of like, um, well, it's kind of like early Daily Show stuff. In a, in right. a sense. Yeah. Like, they're just, they play the idiot. She plays the idiot. And you, you don't usually see a woman playing an idiot in this way. In terms yes. of, like, a, a, the brash idiot. Yes. Who, like, 
doesn't have any it reminds me of um, with with so much confidence so much confidence it reminds me of like a Steve Coogan type yes. thing anyway she's brilliant I it's love hysterical it. yeah um, she just you know gets things wrong and has no shame about it and it's what was she pronouncing last night oh the darkages <laughs> she, <laughs> she's like so in the darkages and the woman's like do you mean dark ages is that how it's pronounced? <laughs> like she's, it's just very funny. Anyway, I can't do it justice, but watch it. One more thing I loved because I finally signed up for Peacock. I've realized I need to watch oh. the um, show with Natasha. Poker face. Poker face. I know I need to watch Poker face, but I, I was like, I'm not going to start that tonight. Sven's not home. So I started watching the new SNL with um, the guy like Pedro. Oh, Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal, because he's a cutie. Yeah. And I like him. And it was really funny. Did you see the restaurant sketch yet? I only saw it until the first Coldplay act, and then I had to go oh, to bed. And okay. I was like, okay, I don't need to watch Coldplay. I don't know what happened to them. I mean, you it's know. so... But, but It just sounds like every other... But before that, yeah. I mean, I thought they were really hitting it out of the park. And I thought he was so... He was fantastic. Funny. And just so committed to everything. Yeah. But anyway, so... I was, I, oh, sorry. No, no. I'm sorry. No, I interrupted you. I was pretty delighted with each sketch, but then the Wings commercial came on. Yeah, the wings it was kept coming. amazing. And I was amazing. I mean, I was I had taken a gummy, so I was a li- I was a little <laughs> bit high because my back was really hurting, and I was like, maybe a gummy will help. And I was howling. I was howling, laughing. It's so. It just <laughs> they really do commercials. It just really was hitting the right funny yeah. spot for me. So yeah. if you haven't. I haven't seen it yet. I also really loved the game show when he was like, think of <laughs> I know. three movies from the last five years. I know, it was really funny. It was just, I, I just thought that actual sketch was really funny. And then it was like Nicole Kidman is in some show. Yeah, yeah. I've never heard of it either. They were just listing all so these things that are like huge stars and little tiny things you've never heard of. It was very funny. And the podcast dig was really funny. What She's like, pod- I, and I host a podcast. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. That was funny. Yeah. All right. Speaking of podcasts. We host one. Should we get to it? Yeah. Or do we have more to talk about? I do have one thing I have okay. to mention. Yes. On the drive here, someone in front of me had a bumper sticker that said, I heart aging and dying. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one way to look at it. And I was real. I, I continue to be fascinated by this bumper sticker because I get... Maybe the first part is like, I heart aging, which is this person who's like, you know what? I'm going to embrace it. I'm embracing it. It's happening. Right. So instead of being like, ah, it's the worst, you know, I'm going to just be like, it's great because it means I, I'm not dying. Like, you know, when you say like, oh, I hate having wrinkles or I hate menopause or I hate, you know, yeah. that I pee when I jump on a trampoline. You could say it beats the alternative, which means you're wow. dead. But like. I hate aging, or I heart aging maybe and dying. Maybe it's like a 17-year-old, you know, goth kid or something. I don't think so. It was. It seemed like an older person. Oh, what's an older person? They just I mean, have a sense of humor. I guess. It's weird, though. It's weird, right? I just, I was curious about your interpretations, if you guys had any thoughts on it. Or if you just think it was a weird joke. I think it's a weird joke. Karen? I, I enjoyed it. Maybe not. <laughs> I, I slap it on my bus if I needed to, or on someone's Uber. Uh, you slap it on your bus. You slap it on your bus. You, you have a bus. Are you thinking no, of getting a bus? Out of humor, no, because I don't drive. <laughs> Where am I going to put a bumper sticker? I don't slap drive. Slap it on my slap bus. You put it on your put it on your bicycle. That's true too. I could do. Or that. you on like a fanny pack that you'd wear on your back. What if I just sewed it into my pants and it's just there on my butt? Okay. 
slap it on the butt. I'll try to get you one made out of fabric. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> anyway, okay. So we have a really fun episode. Great. Are you guys ever concerned that you're going to be in an extreme street fight? <laughs> <laughs> like um, in West Side Story, like with chains, not, and knives, not and music. Sure, yes, okay. Or just not the chains, not the music, yeah, not the knives. Just you're going to be walking down the street and be jumped. No, Garen. Here's the thing. I- I hesitate to say this publicly, but I often have junk with me, like yeah. a switch or a, not drugs, like a switch or a, you know, a, my laptop or whatever. Yeah. And oh my I God. Think, I thought, I'm sorry. When you said switch, mm-hmm. I thought you meant like, go get me a switch so I can <laughs> well, I beat that. your ass with it. I like, he- so I thought it was like a stick. I thought you had a stick. I keep that with me at all times. I thought he had a switch blade. Okay, when a you said switch. a switch. Okay, so Nintendo, you have a Nintendo switch. switch, like a Nintendo switch. Or something. He's just 1, letting 000. everyone know he's he's yeah. packing heat. So, so that has crossed my mind that, or, okay. or just having AirPods or my phone or whatever. It's like, you know, right. well, wait, this could happen anywhere. <laughs> Someone just reaches out and grabs your AirPods from your earbuds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they could just clock me. They could pop do out. it. Yeah. What do you think the first piece of advice is for surviving an extreme fight? I curl up in a ball and don't and don't fight back. It's not. Oh, okay. The Konami code. <laughs> What's that? That's a video game. Oh, try your best to remain calm. Oh, oh. damn! <laughs> Should have known. Speak calmly to the person trying to attack you. Okay. Take a few deep breaths and speak in a low, calm voice. Let them know you don't want to fight. Okay. I mean, unless you do. Yeah, maybe maybe you haven't gotten your steps in for that day. You might be hankering. Mm-hmm. If you accidentally bumped into them, or if they perceived something you did or said as threatening, yeah, apologize and let them know you didn't mean anything by it. Try saying something like, "Hey, everything's cool." <laughs> uh, I'm just saying to a 17 year old guy <laughs> who's like a street thug. Everything's cool, man. I'm sorry I bumped into you. I wasn't trying to start a fight. I just tripped. Okay. Very specific. Stall the person by engaging them in conversation or playing sick. If a person or people still want to street fight you, try distracting them by paying them a compliment. (laughs) I like the way you're punching me in the face. Or asking them for directions. You could even pretend that you're sick, such as by grasping your stomach and acting like you're about to vomit. COVID. (laughs) (laughs) For example, you might say something like, hey dude, or girl, I love your shirt. I can't fight someone with such great fashion sense. Or, wait, Maybe you can help me. How do I get to Willard Street? Where did you get this Wait from? Wait a second. Okay. What is this? This should be noted, guys. Okay. I don't have any accompanying data to verify this advice. Uh-huh. Okay. So, like, if this tactic actually works, this is from WikiHow. Oh, okay. So, like, I don't know. Yeah. Who who knows who? There's no, like, study. Right. To support that this actually has well, worked. actually, you might throw them off. With these bizarre questions. Because <laughs> right? it's so and weird. It, it might put them on their heels. If you're like, hey, love that blouse. Yeah. I feel- How do I get to the metro? <laughs> it just, you know. Yeah. Did you get that on Poshmark? <laughs> Here's another option. Walk away. 
if these professional level street fighters have not yet attacked, don't turn your back to them. Okay. If they're str- still threatening you. Okay. Like walk, try walking way backwards. Continue to maintain a calm, non-threatening demeanor. Okay. This is like with the the puma. Yeah, it's like a Just walk wild backwards. Animal. Yeah. Or maybe moonwalk. If you can. Oh, if if you have the proper shoes and the surface of the street is correct, sure, why not? Now, that may constitute serving, so you could start a dance battle. <laughs> That's, so true. Be, be That's true. Is that what serving means in this context? When you get it's serving is usually just their two dancers are about to go at it, and if someone loses, they got served. Oh, because in my dance class, I thought it meant more like, well, I guess I thought it meant more like you're. You're giving it like you're serving. Maybe. But I could totally be wrong. I'm deep into the dance culture of Los Angeles. I know you are. (laughs) You just throw a piece of cardboard down wherever you are and just go at it. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) They're jumping you for your cardboard. (laughs) Remind them, reiterate that you have no desire to fight. Yeah. Say, I don't want to fight. Yeah. I'm just going to leave. Warning. Avoid displaying fear, as this mm. may make you seem like an easy target. Yeah. Maintain a confident demeanor, but remain calm and non-threatening. Keep your voice low, unless they try to attack you. Okay. okay. Here's another tactic. I think we, this may have came up, come up when we talked about uh, somebody trying to rob you. Throw your purse or wallet far away yes. if they're after money, right? right? And then you run in the opposite direction. Right. Okay. Yell fire. To attract attention if the person attacks. Oh. If the person comes at you, despite your efforts to avoid a fight, screaming fire in a crowded area is a good way to get the attention of bystanders. All right. So wait, I'm just going to try this out for a second. Okay. okay. I love your blouse. Where's the nearest Starbucks? Fire! <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm trying to all the tactics. I feel like you're really embracing the lessons, and I appreciate this. Scream fire as loud as you can. If the person stops attacking you, then this might be a good time to run away. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Joinks. Run towards lights, buildings, and or people and call for help. Yeah. Look for crowds, buildings, or lights. Run towards them. Keep going until you are somewhere safe. And then call for help, such as 911. Okay. I think that is pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Okay. If you have the opportunity to escape... Or if you think you can outrun the person based on their build, mm. then you might try running for it as a last-ditch effort to avoid a fight. Okay. Now we're in this place where none of this has worked. Okay. You got to fight. Right. All right? I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. Have you ever been in a fight? Physical fight? Of course. I knew it. I 100% <laughs> knew it. Not with your brothers. I'm saying with, like, non-relatives. Yes, I have. At school? It was in the street. <laughs> I've been in a street fight. Wait, are you kidding? Did you write this? No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> okay, what was the circumstances? Um, I was driving my mom's Camaro uh-huh. with my boyfriend at the time. We okay. had broken up for a while. And uh, we drove past a house with a girl on the porch. She yelled, slut. So, so I, she knew you. Yeah. <laughs> so I stopped the car and I got out and I said, did you just call me a slut? And she was like, no, but what if I did? And I said, I'm going to kick your ass. And she said, well, you can tell your boyfriend I want my underwear back. <gasps> Damn. She was on house arrest. She had an ankle bracelet. Holy shit. And we were in the middle of the street. And I was in cutoffs. Wait, how old were you? 
I was 16. She was 15. Okay. I might have been. She was on house arrest at 15. Yeah. I feel bad now. You know what I mean? Yeah. I might have been 17 and she was 16, but she was one of the many girls, I think, that he had sex with. So this was a real. Okay. She really did know him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He had her underwear. Um, And you were wearing cutoffs. Cutoff shorts. Uh No shoes. Wait, you were driving with no shoes, Chris? You That's the worst of my problems, or the least of my problems. To me, that's pretty... Your day's not going to go well if you're starting out driving shoeless. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure I, like... I'm sure I'm focusing on the wrong thing. I'm sure but. I, like, flicked my Marlboro light out the window. Yeah. Um, lit another one. And I when... I'm sure, I think there were more words, you know? Okay. Bef- but I'm just getting to the meat of the story. When uh-huh. she said, tell your boyfriend I want my underwear back, I punched her in the face. Right. Uh... And then I just stood there because then I didn't know what to do because I'd never punched anybody in the face before. I'd only really been punched a lot by my older brother. And then she grabbed my hair and uh-huh. pulled me down <gasps> to the ground, ooh, onto the ground, ooh, and just started ooh. nailing me. Oh, shit. Because she'd been in a lot of fights and knew how to fight. Hence the house arrest, probably. Um, And just started, like, slamming me. Shit. And I was on the ground getting punched in the face. Where was the fucking asshole boyfriend at this point? Watching? Oh, my God. Look, he wasn't uh, the greatest. You, you realized you should have been punching him, not her. Oh, I should have punched him a lot. Yeah. Um, And then I think I fought back a lot. And uh-huh. then we just both kind of stopped the fight. Yeah. It just ended. And then I went in my car and went home and I cried a lot. And uh, the next day at school, everybody kept coming up to me and saying, I heard <laughs> kicked your ass. <sighs> And so then I went up to her locker and I said, I heard you're telling everybody that you kicked my ass. And she was like, I didn't say that. I don't want to fight you again. And I was like, all right, good. And but clearly was, she did, because who else would have said, unless it was your boyfriend? Uh, well, yeah, of course she was saying that. Yeah. But like, she kind of did. Yeah, that's true. But I wasn't going to let her go around and right. say that. I had to save face. God, you were so tough. Yeah. I did know. it feel satisfying to punch her? It hurt my hand a lot, actually. Because yeah, I've never punched someone like that. I it, can't. It, it hurt. It, yeah. it, and it made me feel sad, I think, Aww. really, actually, to be in a fight. Yeah. And I also have like a, a bone that's really pointy on my nose, I think, from where she punched me in the nose oh. that damaged, like chipped a little bit inside Jesus my nose. Jesus Christ. I was going to say, were you guys bloody? Uh, I, I remember being swollen. I don't remember being bloody. Jesus Christ. Well, I don't know if you can top that. Garen? Garen? Um... I've been in one fight, and I got my ass kicked, and one thousand percent deserved it. Oh, why? What did you do? I, we were in homeroom. I don't know what possessed me. I think I was. This is middle, under, junior high, or high school? Middle school. Okay. I think I was under the influence of this cute guy that was sitting next to me. Uh huh. One of the popular kids, and I just got up and I slammed a friend of mine in the head with a book. What? I don't know why. <laughs> oh, you thought you were impressing this guy? Yeah, because he was mm-hmm. laughing about it, and he was like, whatever. Oh, Jesus Christ. And then I did it again. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> the worst thing I think I've ever done. <laughs> and then he got up and started wailing on me. In class? Oh, yeah. The no teacher one... was not there at the time. Oh. She had gone to somewhere. So he just grabbed me where we were going to fight, and he just got me headlock and started pounding on my neck, basically. Oh, ouch. Jesus. Yeah, like in the back of my neck, which I think actually did damage. Um. But that and that was it, and then the teacher showed up, and we like broke up, and, and you know he went. To Were the you bus still friends up. after that? I remember the bus that afternoon afterwards going. 
because we were both on the same bus. I was like, you really kicked my ass today. It's like, good, I deserved it or whatever. And that's kind of it. It never oh. came up again. We were fine. Yeah, that's good dudes for you. Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Was, yeah. God, it was wild. That's I crazy. I 100% deserved it. I don't know what possessed me to do what to do that. It was fucked up. I, Love, I hormones. I absolutely deserved it. Yeah. yeah, I guess. Bad judgment. I barely talked to this person either. Like, I don't know why. Because you what, had a crush on him. I guess. That's oh weird. Oh, God. Weird. Our brains aren't fully developed Oof. until we're like 25. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, which is why I tell Oliver don't don't smoke pot until you're, you're at least in your twenties, at if least not later twenty five. Wait till you're in your. I don't 40s. think he'll ever do it honestly, but that's what I told him. I think it's good advice. Yeah, I approve. I didn't do it till I was forty something. 40s. Yeah, I didn't drink either till then. Huh. Yeah. And now you're just a mess. I'm a complete <laughs> now you're just disaster. an alcoholic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so getting back to what you should and shouldn't okay. do. Okay, well, it's funny because I'm gonna I'm gonna get to something that Garen said in his story. All right, get into a boxer stance with your fists up and start moving. Okay. If it looks like the person is going to attack you, despite your best efforts to defuse the situation, put your dukes up. Okay, clench your fists, bend your elbows, and raise your fists up in front of your face to protect it. Right. Sorry, I just lost where I was. Keep your feet about shoulder width apart and stand and start to hop back and forth. Okay, so this is going to make you a harder target than if you stay sit- stay still. Right. And plus, it's going to freak them out. It's going to make them think yeah. you're a badass. Or- They're going to think you're a championship boxer. Exactly. I mean, we've all seen Rocky. You know how yeah. to do this. Yeah, exactly. So just do watch Rocky again and then or Creed, you know, if, yeah. if that's your thing. It's part of that's my thing. Right. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. This may seem counterintuitive, but clench your teeth to avoid a broken jaw. If you get punched oh. in the face, if your mouth Interesting. is open and they punch you in the mouth, you may end up with missing teeth and possibly even a broken jaw. Ooh. If a fight is imminent, clench your teeth together and keep them that way to protect your teeth and jaw. Okay. Here's another one that sounds really hard to do. Move towards the punch with your forehead to better absorb the blow. Oh, come on. I know. I don't know how. Come on. I know. It's like, move <laughs> towards the car that's about to hit you. Um, your forehead is the hardest part of your head. So try to move your head so that they bleh, so that they hit you in the forehead if they're punching at your face. Try to imagine you're trying to headbutt their fist when you see an incoming blow. This will be less painful for you, and it may injure their fist in the process. Okay, because you were saying you can really hurt your fist, so, yeah. Here's another one. Tense your stomach. The muscles in your stomach, if you, Garen. Yeah, you got to make some muscles, okay? If they, In case they punch or kick you. An unexpected blow to your stomach can knock the wind out of you, so keep your stomach muscles tight if they show signs of aggression. You want to flex your abdominal muscles. Now, do you know how to do this, Garen? <laughs> I don't know if I have abdominal muscles. All right. It's not sucking in your stomach. This is what I learned in PT. It's actually kind of pushing your stomach out. Mm. And that flexes them. Like jutting it. Yeah. It's like you're pushing it out. And that is um, keeping it stronger so you can take the impact of the blow. Turn your body to the side if they aim to punch at your stomach because it may not be as painful if they hit you in your obliques. These are your side abdominal muscles. Why are you laughing? Because it's just all going over his head. Because Garen's, like, Garen's like, I don't have those. I'm pushing out um, my stomach goes against everything I've ever learned. I, I should be. I should make it a point that I don't think I have obliques anymore either. So, I mean, 
We worked on obliques yesterday. I'm, I'm, I know Danielle's like ripped yeah. from, from um, all her platies, but the rest of us over here are just, it's just all like sad. I have both. And I have muscles yeah. with then some like poof on top of it. <laughs> Mine's just, I think at this point it might all be poof. poof. It, it used to be very yoga and now the yoga is just yeah. like, come on. If you somebody ate punches me in the abdominal region, mm-hmm. the fight's going to end because their fist is going to get stuck. <laughs> So, it's gonna go out the other side. It's like, What's it's a cartoon where you just see a fist-shaped skin going through his back. So gross. Okay, use whatever you have in your hands as a weapon. A switch. There you go. If you're holding an umbrella, your keys, or even a hot coffee, these oh. can all serve as helpful tools against an attacker. Nice. Okay, so if you can't escape the attacker and you need to defend yourself, you use what you have in your hand. Right. Keys, obviously, we know as women, of course, you hold them in yeah. your fist with each one stabby stabby, make a claw, and that makes your punch a lot stronger. Right. If you have an umbrella, they say hold it like a bat and get ready to hit, but I feel like I'd use it as like a stabbing device. You mean with the, the point? But the point isn't pointy. It's just. Oh, unless it's that open kind. I guess it depends on what kind of umbrella you have. If you have one of those short, yeah, ones that don't retractable have a point. ones. I'm thinking of the old-fashioned kind that have. The Do the old-fashioned ones have an actual point? I at thought the they end? did. I guess I thought they would have something that would make it not. Well, even if it even if it were flat, it's something you can poke with. Yes. If you're holding a hot cup of coffee, I mean, duh, take the lid, loosen it, and throw it in their face. You got to get a hot McDonald's coffee. I would just take the umbrella and like repeatedly open it and close it in their <laughs> face just to annoy them. Yes, like, and throw them off their balance. That's like, a good idea. But if if it's if it's a luck, if it's the mechanical one where you push it, that's hard. You gotta wait for it to go down. I know, you gotta do it again. Really it's gonna go down. <laughs> I would do the singing in the rain routine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just blow them away with my dance skills. That's right. Here's a good tip: kick your opponent in the knee or groin like you're kicking down a door. A hard kick to the mm. knee or groin can stop an attacker in their tracks. Kick them hard with the bottom of your foot for the most impact. Now. Keep this in mind. A male assailant may be expecting a kick to the groin, so go for the knee first. Oh. A hard kick to the knee will also prevent them from chasing after you. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, a knee kick, I mean, whoo, that's... Yeah, that's gonna. really good. I like that. Here's a good one. Jab the person in the throat or eyes with your fingers or keys. See, I don't think I could do that. Oh, because you're go- so grossed out by it? I guess. There's just something... Yeah. Maybe it's the grossed out part. Punch or headbutt them in the nose as hard as you can. The nose sticks out and you can break it easily with a well-aimed punch. Okay. If you're very close to them and they're about the same height as you, then headbutting them may be more effective. Yeah. Thrust your fist or forehead at their nose quickly. I could headbutt someone's ribs or something. Uh, maybe your attacker's also small. Uh, I'd have to jump up in the air to headbutt someone, I think. All right, well, Which would you, be cool. Oh, it'd be so cool. Like volleyball. I would go viral for sure if somebody <laughs> Oh, my God. It. Totally. Go for the knees, Danielle. Yes. I'm going for the knees. Go for the knees. And the groin. Stomp on their feet and elbow them if they're holding you. So if the person has their arms around you, stomp down on their feet as hard as you can with your heel. Okay. And use your elbow to jab them in the stomach as hard as you can. Continue to stomp on their feet and elbow them until they let you go. So none of this says just let someone take your stuff? Well, Or, or maybe they're jumping you for non-monetary, this is, non-mugging yeah, reasons. This is often like they're jumping you to kick your ass. Or it's an initiation or, into a gang. That might be. Right. And 
they might just want to take you somewhere. Okay. This one's wild. Clap your open palms over their ears at the same time. Oh, yes! Draw your hands back. Cup your both cup both of your hands and draw your arms back as far as you can. Then slap your hands together over their ears hard and fast. The air that your hands trap and push into their ears will temporarily no. temporarily incapacitate them. This move may cause someone to lose consciousness if you execute it properly. But don't hang around if they lose consciousness. Like don't you're not yeah. like, oh, don't check their pulse. Just, Just get, get the, the fuck get out, out of there. What if you had two symbols? Oh, <laughs> lucky, that would be awesome. Lucky, yeah. Maybe start carrying symbols. Yes. Here's one more. This is what reminded me of your story. Punch them in the back of the neck if you're behind them. Ah. If you happen to be behind the person, aim a quick, hard punch at the back of their neck. This should be enough to knock them out. If you punch them hard enough, then run away. If they're unconscious, guys, you're not going to worry about making sure they're okay. They've already tried to attack you. Don't, yeah, don't, I'm good. Don't worry about that. Are you guys ready for an insane story? Yes. I'm so excited that I found this. This is... A little different than what we've been talking about because this woman was not attacked on the street. Okay. But I think it's going to deliver. And <laughs> okay. then some. Susan Kuhnhausen took her time going home. On the evening of Wednesday, September 6, 2006, the 51-year-old emergency room nurse ended her shift at Providence Portland Medical Center on Northeast Gleison Street and headed to Perfect Looked Hair Salon on East Burnside Street. As she waited for her turn, she picked up a copy of Oprah Magazine and read a poem. I will not die and unlive life, it began. I will not live in fear. Huh. One hour later, rested and relaxed, she drove to her blue, one-story Cape Cod with a gray picket fence in the Montevilla, or Montevilla neighborhood of Southeast Portland. In the mudroom at the back of her house, Susan found a note by the microwave from her husband of almost 18 years, Mike. Sue, haven't been sleeping, had to get away, went to the beach. He added that he'd see her on huh. Friday or Saturday. Love me, he signed off. Unlocking the door to the kitchen, Susan heard the beeping of her security alarm. She disarmed it, walked through the house to the front door, and then went back outside. It was clear and warm at 6.37 p.m. that day, and she stood for a minute or two in the front yard, flipping through her mail. When she came back inside, she kicked off her Birkenstocks and noticed how dark it was in her bedroom on the first floor. Had she forgotten to open the curtains that morning? Hmm. Suddenly, from behind the bedroom door, a man lurched toward her. At five foot nine, the 59-year-old stranger weighed 190 pounds. He wore dockers, a blue striped shirt, and a tan baseball hat pulled down low over his eyes. His long hair was in a ponytail tucked into the cap. He wore yellow rubber gloves on his hands and carried a red and black claw hammer. Jesus. For many people, the presence of an intruder brandishing a hammer in a darkened bedroom would prompt an entirely understandable response. They'd run. But Susan wasn't most people. Mm. An emergency room nurse for nearly 30 years. She had disarmed injured men, helped crack open people's chests to perform heart massages, and administer IVs in patients thrashing from drug withdrawal. She and all the other nurses at Providence trained regularly in self-defense, learning how to slip out of headlocks and clutches. Still, she had doubted herself. Will I even remember this stuff? Years of training steadied Susan, who was still wearing blue scrubs when she returned home that night. When her assailant came at her, Susan crowded him, knowing the swings of his weapon would have less force if she stayed close. Okay. His first... Oh, smart. Right? So she's using her training. Yeah. His first blow landed on her left temple. Oof. Ooh. With, Who, the, with the claw hammer? With the claw hammer. Oh, no, Susan. Who are you? What do you want? She screamed as loudly as she could, but he didn't answer and he didn't stop. 
At five foot four, Susan was five inches shorter than the man in the baseball camp. In the baseball cap. So like you, Danielle. Yeah. So I wish I were five four. Well, in in in, in relation <laughs> I know, to, I know, I'm just being silly. She had two bad knees from repeated injuries and excess weight, but she outweighed her attacker significantly. Hoping to push him over, Susan says she slammed her body up against his. He didn't fall. Instead, he pushed Susan back against the pink-hued walls of her bedroom. He then uttered his only words that night: "You're strong," he told her. The phrase sent surges of adrenaline through Susan and a terrible awakening. He is here to kill me, she realized at that moment. I don't know why. I don't know who he is, but his intent was clear. Susan responded by pushing him again. Who sent you? She demanded. She managed to wrestle the hammer from him and she swung its claw three times, maybe four, into his skull. Oh, my God. He snatched the hammer back. So Susan grabbed his throat. Who sent you here? She asked again. Hand, hands squeezing his airway. The intruder's face turned red, then purple, then darker purple with a blue tinge. Susan spooked. She let go. Then she tried to flee. I don't know what I thought, she says. I just had to get out of there. The man whom police later identified as Edward Dalton Haffey caught her as she ran from her bedroom <gasps> into a narrow hallway. Oh, no. He spun her around again, punched her, <gasps> splitting her lip. He punched her again. She fell to the floor. The image she saw next haunts her. He was standing over me with the hammer, she says. I looked at the floor and I thought, I'm going to die today. To this day, she's not sure how, but she managed to pull the man to the floor, too. I gotta get the hammer, she told herself then. She started to bite Haffey, thinking that if she was going to die, her teeth marks might tie her to death to him. Oh my God, she's a genius. Wrestling on the floor, she bit his arm, his flank, his thigh. She even bit through the zipper to his genitals. Nice. At the same time, she tried to rifle through Haffey's pockets looking for ID she could toss under a bed or chair or dresser that police would later find. She is a freaking genius, this woman. Okay. I know. I was like a downed power line snapping on the pavement, she says. Hmm. The fight had now lasted about 14 minutes. Holy shit. Imagine 14 no, minutes. that's forever. They were both wedged on their sides in the hallway outside Susan's bedroom. She threw her left leg over Haffy's body, climbed up on top of him, and hooked her left arm around his neck. Tell me who sent you here and I will call you a fucking ambulance, she yelled in his face. <laughs> he said nothing. Instead, he growled. Susan leaned forward, tightening her forearm against his throat. He stopped moving. Then she grabbed the hammer and fled outside to neighbors who called 911. 911 dispatcher. What did she use on him? She strangled him. What else did she do? Ann Warnock, neighbor. She put a chokehold on him. I've got help on the way. Stay on the line. She has a hammer here. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. Just leave it there. She hit him in the head several times. That's the hammer he had with him. She struck him and she strangled him. And she thinks he's dead. Was he by himself? Neighbor. Did he have anybody with him? No. She expressed a concern it may have been her ex-partner who sent the person. Susan had not with... Okay. That, these are the 911 calls. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to give you some backstory. Susan had not witnessed a lot of happy marriages growing up. Her father, an Air Force cook, and her mother, a homemaker, separated when she was in second grade. Life was chaotic as the children moved from Colorado to Arizona, California, Nevada, shuffling between schools, homes, and parents. My parents loved me, but they couldn't teach me how to have a successful marriage, and more, any more they could teach me how to fly, she says. In 1988, a friend and Susan's mother paid for a personal ad for Susan in Willamette Week. That's where she met her husband. 
Within a year, they'd be driving to Reno to get married. Mike liked to play slots, and Susan figured there was no bigger gamble in life than marriage. It soured quickly. It wasn't very long after we married that there was no more hiking, no more getting out. He started slowly revealing in her, to her in the early years that he'd never really been happy. His life philosophy was, life is a shit sandwich, and every day you take another bite until you die. Jesus. The couple never had any children, and Susan was fine with that. Mike, who chain-smoked while guzzling Diet Cokes, hounded Susan about her plans when she went out. He watched her spending and complained about minor purchases. Seventeen years into their marriage, Susan had had enough. If she tried to kiss him, he'd burp. Ew. I cared about him, but I didn't want to live with him anymore, she says. I wanted to be happy again. In September 2005, she kicked him out of the house. He moved into his father's home, but Susan never changed the locks or the alarm code. 1210, their anniversary. This is the dispatcher again. Have there been problems with her ex-husband or her ex-partner? She talks to Mike, her ex-partner, and asks him to house sit for the cats, and he said he couldn't do it. He was on his way to the beach. He left her a note. He knows the alarm. Okay, that's good information to pass to the officers. The day after the attack, Susan's friend, Helen Ballone, accompanied Susan to her house to help her collect her belongings. Susan, there's a backpack in your basement that doesn't belong. Police hadn't noticed the backpack when officers inspected Susan's cluttered basement. Inside was a container of Hershey syrup, $200 in cash, diabetes pills, a daybook, and a pay stub made out to Haffey. An entry in the daybook for Monday, September 4th, 2006 was marked, Call Mike! That's her husband's name. Uh-huh. A, manila elv- a manila envelope listed Mike's new cell phone number. Haffey, an autopsy would show, had a near-lethal dose of cocaine in his system when he attacked Susan in her home. Oh, that's not a good... Uh, that's not a good, not a good sign, defense, right? Yeah. Court records reveal a gruesome crime 15 years earlier. This is Haffey, the guy that was yeah. in her home. On February 28, 1991, Haffey arranged the murder of his ex-girlfriend, 39-year-old Georgia Lee Dutton. Her decomposed body was later found along the Umpqua River near Roseburg. He pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit aggravated murder on March 14, 1994, and spent the next nine years in the Eastern Oregon Correctional Institution. He was released in 2003. Doesn't that seem like a life sentence? It should. You should yeah. never get out of prison, I think. Right. After he got out, he moved to Portland, and he got a job working with Mike Kuhnhausen at Fantasy Adult Video. <laughs> okay. That's where they met. Uh, Susan and... Okay, so they weren't together anymore. Right. But they had never officially divorced. Right. And the thing is that he was broke and he didn't have any money, but their house was paid off. And if she was oh. dead, their house worth $300,000, that money would have been to his. So he pleaded guilty. He went to prison. She was terrified he was going to get out. So she lived in total fear. And then, luckily, he died in prison 92 days before his release. Oh, oh, fantastic. So that was the story. That is horrifying. It was like a... Of Susan Kuhnhausen. It really was. It was wild. That was great. It was really well written, too, to be honest. Yeah. Such a badass. I mean, actually... I had to cut that story way down because uh-huh. it was really long. So for anyone who's interested in reading the entire thing and seeing photos from the crime scene, which are oh pretty intense, um, I will put it in the newsletter. Um, and uh, so our Patreon listeners will have access to that. And people, just so you know, if you already have the newsletter, you're always going to have access to it. You're not losing anything. Right. I thought you were going to say that in his notebook, of his, his calendar, I was going to say, call you know feb whatever it was may 10th 
kill Susan. I mean, this, these two <laughs> like, guys were the biggest idiots. Yeah, it's kind of like a Fargo uh, episode. It, I, I, I really think they should do a Fargo season about this yeah. story because it, it's really bananas. That's these amazing. These two guys were just the, the really the biggest idiots. <laughs> Well, thank you, Chris. That was fantastic. You're welcome. I love to oh, share. I'm so glad Susan's okay oh, and that her too. ex-husband's dead. She doesn't worry about it. Oy. Anyway, we will be right back with our guest. Can't wait. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Welcome back to How to Survive with Danielle and Christine. Danielle. Christine. How are you today? I'm fine. How are you? I'm great. I'm enjoying today's episode. Me too. I'm enjoying your company. Lots of violence. It's good. It was, a, you know, it's a, it was a lot more murder than we usually talk about. It's a little murdery. We don't get into murders. No, if we did more, we'd have a bigger audience. That's true. That's true. <laughs> That's okay. Maybe we do need 50% more murder. Yes, exactly. Well, uh... On the first half of the show, we were talking about how to survive a street fight. Exactly. And now we are going to talk about basically how to survive a street fight with Jesse Thorne. You know him as podcast legend, actually. Jordan Jesse Go and Judge John. I'm going to say it. Judge John John Hodgman. (laughs) Rolls right off John Hodgman. I mean, I know him. I know who he is. I don't know him personally. I know who he is. But it just all sounded like too much of an effort in my mouth. Great news. Yes. I have a literal street fight. One of these is a literal, actual. Most of them are not, could not be qualified as fights. Most okay. of them just involve the threat of violence. <laughs> I but like one that there's of them, most. There's like a. Well, this is a suite of anecdotes. Yeah, oh, I I've, love that. I brought you a suite of oh anecdotes. Is it, like a, is it a flight of anecdotes? Yes, this absolutely. is a tasting. Each, t- yeah. each should oh. be paired with a, n- a different kind yeah. of cheese. This is a little Riesling of growing <laughs> yes. up in the hood. This is a Sauvignon Blanc of Ooh, growing up in the hood. I love this. Yeah, absolutely. Delight. Okay, walk us through it. Okay, well, this I'll start with the street fight one. So I, I grew up in the Mission District in San Francisco. I was just there okay. for San Francisco's Sketchfest and yes. had a great time. Did you get into a fight up there? Uh, don't I wish. I'm ready for it now. Like, that's the thing. I've yeah. got my man strength. Right. But, Did um, Janet Varney uh, give you a one, <laughs> give you a one, two? Box to your ears. Like, these days, the mission is very different from it was when I was a kid. It's okay. like... Like Mark Zuckerberg lived there for a little while. Okay. Now Mark Zuckerberg did, I think, buy three houses in a row and connect them with tunnels or something. <laughs> but, um, I gotta say that actually sounds kind of cool. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, like Mark's like the the people. I went to Dolores Park, which is you know big park in the neighborhood, and was at the playground, and there were just a lot of dudes in polar fleece vests with their kids there. Okay, which was not the this case. Trip. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, when I was a kid, it would have been a lot of dudes in you know. Uh, ben Davis gorilla cut pants and okay. half zip shirts and red or blue Nike Cortezes, depending on what part of the neighborhood you were in. So, are you saying these are actual like Crips and Bloods? Is these that were not Crips and Bloods. They were Norteños okay. and Sureños. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, this is, is that North and South? North, yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, when I, when I was a kid, it was a pretty rough neighborhood. I mean, it was like there was Bohemian elements too, and in San Francisco, everything. It's such a small city that. You know, I could also walk 
you know, uh, half a mile and I would be in the heart of the Castro. You know mm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, uh, but where I lived, I was like around the corner from uh, the probably the second toughest housing project in San Francisco. And, you know, like I said, there was there was a lot of gang stuff going on. Right. And I then, as now, was a very pasty, uh, somewhat uh, femi. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I, I was really like there was no one was ever going to think that I was that I was a real one. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So you weren't tough. You didn't have this beard then either. I'm sure. No, I was significantly like I truly a, a, a real turning point in my life was in high school when I went to art school. Was uh-huh. like conspicuously having my first girlfriend, which convinced everyone that I was heterosexual. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, I really was, I was a little soft boy. And um, So how old are you in this first story? This first story, um, I'm going to save the street fight, but in this okay. first story, I'm probably, gosh, I'm like eight or nine years old. Oh, my gosh. And like I said, my, my mom's apartment was, you know, half a block from this housing project. And it was one of those things where, like, at night, there was a lot of, was that a car backfiring or was it something mm-hmm. else, right? Gotcha. Um, and one morning I woke up and my mom was already up and like fully dressed. And she was like, and again, I want to be clear. I'm like nine years old. She's like, oh my God, I couldn't believe what happened last night. And I said to her, well, what happened last night? I was asleep Yeah. last night. And she said, you didn't hear it? It's weird after you hear what happened, that she didn't check in with me immediately <laughs> afterwards. Okay. Um, she's like, you didn't, you didn't hear it? You didn't hear what happened? And I was like, no. And she said, I woke up in the middle of the night. My friend, uh, my friend David Carroll had visited the previous day, and apparently his father had not fully closed the gate. Oh. Um, so my mom woke up in the middle of the night at like 2 o'clock in the morning with a man with a knife <gasps> standing at the foot of her bed. What? Oh, my God. Her bed was right by the front door. Um, she kind of sort of slept in the dining room. Okay. And so she, so this man was standing there with a big-ass knife. Um, and my mom is like, my mom to this day is definitely tougher than me. Okay. Uh, she's like, she's probably 5'10", and she's broader than me, um, fuller. She's not a Fuller soft boy. than me. No, not at all. <laughs> my mom's raw. My mom's a real one. Um, and I'm pretty sure my mom was a drug smuggler in Central America for a while, uh, but that's an oh, aside. Oh, okay. And, so, and your mom, there was no dad in the house? There's no dad in the house. Okay. It's just me and my mom in the house. Okay. And so uh, this man is standing at the foot of her bed, and I, first of all, Besides not checking in on me, <laughs> I'm not sure the full story should have been shared with me. I don't no, know that that's it not was something you needed to productive. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but my mom is not one to hold that kind of thing back. Uh, so apparently this dude broke into the house uh, because the gate was ajar. Okay. Um, and was, I don't think he was looking to murder someone. I think he was probably looking to steal some stuff. Neighborhood junkie kind of deal. Right. And... My mom, when she saw him there, not only screamed, which any reasonable yeah, person sure. would do, she got up out of bed and chased him out of the house. Oh, no. my so God. So he had a knife. She had no weapon. 
it's not like she grabbed the you know handgun she kept in the side right. table or like the baseball bat that she keeps under her pillow or whatever. Just my mom, through sheer force of whatever the opposite of charisma is, uh-huh. uh, whatever the charisma of potential violence <laughs> yeah. is. Okay, uh, she had mama bear energy. Chased him out of the house and down the street and around the corner <laughs> before she lost him. What was her plan? I don't think she... I mean, to kick his ass, I guess. Oh my God. I love like, your mom. I truly, I absolutely could not tell you what the plan was. But that, like, this... I Like, I can't say that I was... This was not a comforting story to me as a no. nine, nine-year-old or whatever no. it was. However... I don't remember it surprising me that (laughs) much. Like no element of it seemed off. You know what I mean? Like that's amazing. So she must have just screamed so much that she scared him, and that's why he went off. Because I mean, she has no weapon. So my mom chased this chased this dude out of the house, down the stairs, and around the corner while I was asleep in the back bedroom. Oh my god! Then. Came back, went to bed, and only talked to me about it in the morning when she told me the whole story, which she didn't need to do. She got a good night's sleep. Uh, she she slept like a like a little baby. Oh my god, that's amazing. So there were a few times that like there were a few times that I just got like regular jumped, and I never got I never got like beat up that much just okay. because I I you know got up off whatever was in my pockets. I didn't have enough in my pockets to protect. Oh, gotcha. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and I think also, like, you learn the skill of, like, uh, for me, it was like I could either try to be down and intimidating or I could just be so skinny and white and femmy uh. that I just kind of floated past. <laughs> right. The, just, you know, like nobody. Yeah, like a fairy. Yeah, like nobody thought uh, that's a slur, but yes. <laughs> Uh, I didn't mean it. I was picturing a literal Garen, fairy. I apologize for Danielle. He knows he's a fairy. Uh, like, <laughs> I, f- I floated. I, I like floated through, you know, the gang life that was going on in my neighborhood. Yeah. Like I wasn't, you know. Were you the only like white person in your area? There were like there weren't a lot of white kids in my neighborhood. Okay. There were a f- there were. I mean, you know, it's San Francisco. Every neighborhood is very mixed. Like, right. but my neighborhood was predominantly Latino, and a lot of um, at the time it was like the late eighties. A lot of Central Americans, um, uh, Salvadorans, and Guatemalans who were coming up because of the wars in Salvador and Guatemala, right. um, that kind of thing. And then there was kind of a. Uh, kind of long the gangs were mostly had been mostly mexican-american uh because that had kind of been the the population of the neighborhood since the 60s and 70s basically carlos santana from my neighborhood benjamin bratt from my neighborhood do not say the words carlos santana to me i'm sorry i'm sorry that i said them (laughs) it's okay i went to high school with his son sal santana at school i'm sure he's a lovely person just don't want to hear that guitar okay that's fair no (laughs) i I will keep benjamin bratt in my mind that's fine yeah benjamin bratt's cool as heck you know that guy was part of the when he was like five years old was part of the native occupation of Alcatraz no, no way I have yeah. read about that I didn't his, know that yeah, his mom is native Peruvian oh you're kidding yeah and he was he was in the occupy he lived as like a five-year-old he lived on Alcatraz for a month or oh, whatever wow. that's wild anyway Benjamin Brad aside okay so uh another time this is probably I was a little older I was probably 13 ish 
And like I said, there was like times that I just like got jumped by a group of kids and they took my Walkman or whatever. But I was like 13-ish and I was walking down 16th Street in San Francisco. I was literally there yesterday. And I was uh, right, right near the, the Roxy Theater on 16th Street in San Francisco. And um, this dude rolled up next to me. And when I say rolled up, like when you, when you grow up in the hood, like you're always looking for somebody on the roll up, which is like somebody that is waiting for, some, waiting for a target who, who sort of moves up beside you. Right? On, on foot or in a car? On foot. Generally, however, this was a literal roll-up because okay. this man was in a wheelchair. <laughs> 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 this man oh was in God, a wheelchair. I did not see that coming. <laughs> this man. First of all, that's dangerous to live in San Francisco in a wheelchair. Yeah, you could just go flying you could off. Roll the backwards earth. down a hill, yeah. or yeah. I mean, like first of all, sh- shout out to everybody uh, living with disability. You know. My dad's best friend has a state holiday here in California named after him for his work in the independent living movement. Wow. Shout out the late Ed Roberts. But um, uh, but yeah, this dude rolled up on me. <laughs> and it was like a, it was just a classic roll up. Like it was like. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was like, yeah, like it was like if you imagine a freeway merge. You know, okay. you're walking straight and somebody comes along your flank. Right. Right. One day my therapist, one time, one time I said to my therapist, this is like 15 years ago, something about how I was always uncomfortable with my friends in the city because I felt like they couldn't see what was going on. And they were just going to get they were just going to get popped or something. Yeah. And like uh, he was like, so you're always trying to and I'm like, yeah, of course I am. Like I'm situational, like I'm right. always on the where trying to be aware of who's up to what and what's going on. He's like, do you think that might be a challenge that you face rather than a weakness of theirs? Uh, of your friends and right. I was like oh, oh yeah okay Fair <laughs> anyway this dude rolls up on the side um, and he's like hey yo let me let me look at your Walkman <laughs> and I'm like I'm sorry you're 13 at this point yeah I'm okay. like 13 and I'm like oh no you know you know whatever he's like hey yo let me let me hold that right which is like it's like a kind of it's usually it's pocket check, right? But it's like it's like the thing you say, like let me hold that is like I'm good. I'm just taking it. And I was pretty intimidated by this dude in this wheelchair. <laughs> it was a I think it was a motorized wheelchair if I remember correctly. Um but he was definitely like I want to be clear, like a lot of people are thinking like my dad's friend Ed was quadriplegic, you know, he could only only move one finger below the waist. Mhm. This was a leg issue with this guy. So he had full upper body mobility. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. This was... That I was still a, feel like if you just turned, he, you could okay. have out. <laughs> he was a pretty big... You know, he was a broad dude. Yeah. And, right. you know, I, I was 13. Anyway, and a long story short, I did let him hold the Walkman. <laughs> <laughs> and because, like, in those situations, like, you really... Like, you kind of learn this thing, which is, like, you just are, like, clear-eyed and calm. Yeah. And outside of, you know, outside of acceding to violence or whatever. Right. You're just like, what is going to resolve this right now? What is the... Yes, yes. No, it, it, you have all the right instincts. Right. So I hand my I hand my Walkman to this dude, and he's like... 
oh yeah, this is nice. And he's starting to roll away, right? And this is when it occurs to me, this was a dude in a wheelchair that it just is stealing my Walkman right now. And I'm like, and this is in the middle of the day. And 16th Street, busy street. Like, okay. there's people around and stuff. Like, it's not like it's 2 o'clock in the morning or something like that. This is just on the street during the day. And luckily, there was this, like, punk rock dude walking the other way down the street. And I'm going, like, hey, yo, give me my give me my Walkman back. And God bless this man. He comes up and he's like, it looks like you took this kid's Walkman. Awesome. And the guy's like, no, this is my Walkman, you know? And And the guy's like... No, I. Why? Why is this, Why would this thirteen-year-old be lying about this? Like, right. Why is this kid that I was probably crying? Why is oh. this kid? Why is this kid? Why would this kid lie about this? And he goes, "Oh man, fuck it!" And he just gives gives me my Walkman back. Wow. Yeah. This is such a nice ending sometimes, to the story. Yeah. Sometimes there's good Samaritans. Sometimes there's oh, good Samaritans. Oh, thank you, punk rocker. Yeah, I used, I worked for a minute at the Department of Elections in this underground bunker counting votes. What? And <laughs> what? yeah, it was it was a great job. It was awesome. Okay, I paid like twenty bucks an hour. Um, but uh, there was this dude there who had just moved there from Iowa. And one time we were walking in the Tenderloin, which was right next to the underground bunker, and uh, there was somebody that looked like they were probably stealing shit out of a car. Uh huh. And he's like, "Yo, that guy's stealing stuff from out of a car. Like, we gotta go stop him." Uh-huh. And we're like, what, what are you talking about, <laughs> <Right>. Iowa? Like, <laughs> what is, you just what is this? Like, who do you, what do you think this we're is going to be A-team. like? A, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the the actual street fight that I got into, okay. I think I was probably 13, 14 in there. Mm-hmm. And I had gone with my dad to Burlington Coat Factory. And this is, I, I don't mean to just use this show to brag. <laughs> yeah. But um, we had gone to Burlington Coat Factory because I needed a coat. And my dad was like, you can get any coat in here, which was very exciting to me. Yeah. Both because, as at least, Danielle, you know, I love outfits. Yeah. Uh, Christine, you may have intuited that. I'm getting a you used to You used to dress more. Fancier. Yeah. I used to dress a little fancier. but I, A little more like the Paul F. Tompkins sort of yeah. school of like. Oh, dapper, dapper. That's known as that's known as fancy Jesse. Fancy Jesse fancy has receded Jessie. a little oh, bit. As with fatherhood, fancy Jesse has taken a step. Then there was a pandemic. Also, yeah, I didn't leave true. the house for three years. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so so I had chosen this 49ers jacket that I could not have been more excited about. Aww. It was like a Letterman jacket with denim sleeves. Yep. Um, this was the early to mid 1990s this was totally get it hot stuff and like the thing about that kind of like like licensed sports apparel like i had always wanted a starter jacket mm-hmm. do you remember starter jackets like satin yes yes satin so that was something i had always wanted but i both couldn't afford it even the chalk line version which is the sort of second tier starter jacket and that's what people who uh, oh. had gang affiliations wore. So oh. not so much a Giants ones. But it was mostly the 49ers and Cowboys for Norteños and Soreños, but okay. respectively. But like it was a little bit like if if I had been wearing Cortezes, like people would have wondered if I was. Okay. So um, anyway, I got this 49ers jacket. I was so pumped about this jacket. Like this was like my favorite thing that I had ever to get this special. Yeah. jacket to get to choose anything 
and I'm walking down, uh, I'm walking down Valencia Street, right near the corner of Valencia and Mission, and I'm in front of this big hospital that is there, was there, and they tore some of it down. And coming down the other direction on the street are these two dudes, and they're older than me, maybe they're 16 or 17, something like that. And one of them is wearing the same jacket as me. Okay. And I'm pumped because I'm so <laughs> pumped about this jacket. And I'm like, this dude has this older, this cool older dude has the same jacket as me. Yeah. And so as we get close enough to address one another, I look at this dude and I go, hey, nice jacket. Okay. Because look, we're yes. two cool guys yeah. who have the yeah. same jacket. Like when you see someone in the same car as you. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, he punched me in the face. No. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just cold cocked me in the face literally pointed and laughed at me and laughed. Oh my God. Wow. What the fuck? No warning. Just, just straight, just, well, I mean, he pulled his arm back first, Christine, but other than that, yeah, no warning. What? <sighs> was he a gang affiliated, did it seem like? I mean, he might have just been a jerky teen. I did, Jesus he wasn't, Christ. He was wearing a 49, like, the one thing is that it <laughs> was, like, if he was gang affiliated, he would he would have been a Norteño because they're the ones that wore the okay. Niner stuff, uh, which was the you know the the Sureños were in a different part of the neighborhood from where I live. Okay, so he could have theoretically been, but I would have been on the same team as him. I was also yeah, wearing, but if if they think only like if they think only, oh, well, you'd have a hard time. Could, yeah, in if San you're in San Francisco, right, right, if right. you punch everyone right. in a 49ers jacket, you're gonna, your hand uh, wouldn't be really sore. Although you might callous eventually. Yes, yeah. that's a positive way of looking at it. That's yeah. amazing. Surprised he didn't take the. I thought I thought he was gonna take the jacket for his friend. I totally <laughs> thought that too. <laughs> I was like, he's gonna punch him, then he's gonna take the jacket, so then they can both have the jacket. I definitely thought the same thing because I really thought as soon as we got to, uh, we're. Uh, Burlington Coat Factory, I was like, oh, that jacket's gone. That jacket has been stolen. But thank God it wasn't stolen. I never never got jumped for any of my clothes. I didn't have, like, there was one year when my mom got me Diodoras. What's that? Do you remember? This is like a kind of sneakers. Okay. uh, Okay. Like Italian soccer sneakers or something like that. I don't know. Fancy. But that was like a real thrilling year for me because once in a while people will go, hey, oh, Nice sneaks, you know, uh-huh. nice kicks. Um, but yeah, in general, I was wearing something that no I one mean, when I was, there's a lot of pictures of me as like a five and six year old <laughs> wearing, and this is not a joke, a purple crushed velvet hat, <laughs> like a little oh, rolled, a like a little rolled, the kind oh that sits God. flat, you know, flat over your head with a little rolled edge around the, like the Riddler. Mm, like a no like a little like if I was like a little some kind of little French clown <laughs> like a little clown boy you're a puro yeah like okay. a little like a little fancy like boy. a fancy little clown boy oh my god something like so that that started Amazing. early this, this interest in a particular fashion yeah in being a little in little little a little fancy a little a fancy little special boy oh my god the french thing made me just think of something really quick that yesterday so oliver takes spanish in school and the teacher um who adores him they he, they, for some reason, they were talking about five course meals. I guess mm-hmm. that was like their, their lesson in 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 that qu- kind of vocabulary. I'm guessing. Yeah. And he said, "Donde está la biblioteca?" Right. 
And so he said, um, you know, what is, uh, what is the first course in a five-course meal? And Oliver said, it's a mousse-bouche. And they all, like, laughed at him, and they were, they were like, what? And he's like, senor, I don't know what you're talking about. And he says, well, I just watched the menu, and I happen to know <laughs> that the first course is the amuse-bouche. And, like, you know, I, was, I was just making viral commercials with Dr. Oz. <laughs> and... and I told, because I had told Oliver, it, it means, like, to amuse your mouth. Or, yeah. or I don't know if amuse is the actual translation, right. but it's something about delight your... Delight the palate. Delight your, yeah. And he's like, you know, amuse your mouth, amuse-bouche, which is just funny, because there was no other way he would know that if we hadn't literally yes. the day before watched the menu. And... And then I said, well, I would think there was some translation in Spanish. And he goes, Mom, he speaks French, too. And I'm like, you're right. He totally, his kids live in France. He's like, complete. I'm like, I don't get it. He's just like pulling a fast one on you. He doesn't know what a mousse-bouche is. The only anyway. thing a Spanish teacher at my high school ever said was, chicle en la ba, chicle en la ba. What is, over there? What is throw the, the chicle? Throw the trash in the, throw the, your gum in the trash. Oh, chicle. Oh, yeah. chicle really means gum? Yeah. That's where chiclet comes from? Yeah, yeah. I did not know that. There you go. I did not know that. That's fascinating. Yeah, well. I haven't gotten if, to that. If in... that was the best part of this conversation, I failed in my role here. But I'm just. My, my, I guess I'm just here to duolingo you. But Look, I'm on 515 days, and I've got a few words down. That's about yeah. as good as I can do. But yeah, I mean, like, the thing, the thing about, it's hard for me sometimes to convey this part of who I am as a public figure, right? Because, as you said, a lot of times I'm out there, Paul F. Tompkinsing around. Right. And, um, and there, is, there are many assumptions made about me. Okay. And even if I talk about, like, you know, like, I love rap music. Yeah. But, like, and, you know, I host an NPR show where I interview rappers sometimes. Okay. Right? But, like, even if I talk about loving rap music, it can often be seen as an ironic Oh. You know, not that I don't actually love rap music, but that it's like one of these sort of guys who's like thing was yeah. uh, like being into the Wu-Tang Clan and isn't right. that cute. And it's hard because it is a little cute that I like. You know what I mean? like it is. I'm not going to tell you're you. You're a man of many because you're also really into sports, right? Yeah, I love, I love yeah. sports. But, uh, but like um, I also... You know, I feel very lucky to be from this place that I'm from, not just San Francisco, but the mission where I'm from, um, because, you know, as much as there was, you know, especially in the peak of crack times, you know, like, I mean, somebody tried to sell me. I remember somebody tried to sell me a rock when I was 10. Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Um, but... Uh, How and was it? also, Good quality. Yeah, it was really nice. <laughs> no, it was really nice. Yeah, they they cut it with a lot of bullshit. These oh days, shit! Yeah, yeah. Back then, that was when it was really. Um, the, I think the saddest part of that is that I knew that he was trying to sell me. Yeah, that. like I knew what a rock was, but um, uh, but like, it wasn't just sad. Like it wasn't just sad at all. Like, yeah. In fact, it was. M- mostly not sad and scary like there's sad and scary parts of this right Uh but like actually the place where i grew up was as i said like it other than the sadness of the guys in polar fleece vests um and i mean i guess i'm a you know i'm a podcasting company like i guess i count as that guy but like 
other than the sadness of them being there, like it is remains the most special place in the world to me where I never would have ever in a million years chosen to live, to grow up somewhere else. And, you know, like on, on my NPR show bullseye, I, I interview many, many artists whose entire world of art is driven by getting out of the constrictions of the place that they mm-hmm. are from. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, I was just, we just did Jordan Jesse go at Sketchfest, and uh, we had this woman on who's called La Doña, who's a musician. She's from the neighborhood and she's a little younger than me. And we were talking about how like everyone that we, she also went to the same public arts high school. I did. Oh. Um, and, uh, we were talking about how like everyone we know, like there are some people have OD'd, but other than that, they're either working artists or like run after school programs. Oh, and that's like, amazing. It sounds like you came from a really special place, actually. Really I mean, it's cool. I wrote, I, so artistic, this is, I will speak of this a little bit elliptically because it is not, uh, it is not announced yet, but I I don't think Publishers Weekly listens to this show. Not to no diminish no. the. That's I know some people at Kirkus Reviews do, but um, Kirkus loves us. Yeah, uh, li- Library Weekly or whatever that's called. Um, but like I wrote this story, a, a kid story that is about a kid whose parents get in a fight, and it's it's not. It, might end up explicit in illustrations, but in, in the text, it's not necessarily explicit that they're apart, but they, the parents are, are not together. Uh-huh. That was my experience. And so there's this big fight, and the kid kind of slips out the back door. And he walks around the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he goes to the liquor store, and the woman at the liquor store gives him a doc, uh, gives him a root beer because he looks thirsty. Uh-huh. And he goes past the bookstore, and the guy from the bookstore gives him a, a, a book that he's been saving for him. Oh. Um, and you know he goes he goes past the park, and his baseball coach is there mowing, and asks him if he needs anything. And he goes to the ch- in the church, takes a seat in the churchyard, and the and the priest uh, uh, is the one who ultimately calls his parents. Um, and having going through all of these different stops, each person takes care of him in a mm-hmm. different way. And in the end, his his father comes and picks him up and takes him to his mother. Um, and that that was the experience for me of being in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Was the experience? You know, it was a city in the late 20th century it's not like it was like we were all on each other it was, you know it's it, not like it was like west side story right. we were all on the stoop singing together or right. something but rather that like the i had two single parents who both really loved me but were just trying to get by and had their own stuff that they were dealing with major stuff they were dealing with and so it was very the generous way to put it would be independent yeah yep <laughs> right and the place that I am from is what took care of me. So like my friend's parents um, and all these people that are in this story that I wrote, you know, they're all just people that were in my neighborhood who loved and cared for me. Yeah. Even if they were, 
you know, there was a station agent at the BART station, um, the subway station, and I took the subway to school. Um, and like that station agent had my mom's phone number uh-huh. and oh, wow. she knew about when I came through and mm-hmm. would have called if right. I didn't. Wow. Right? Or like, um, you know, the thing with the book, like this guy, Andrew, he's still, he's got a store called Adobe Books in San Francisco that used to be on 16th Street. I think they moved it. But um, uh, Andrew would really like, I, I, as you said, I like sport. I love baseball, especially. And Andrew would, when he used bookstore, when he got baseball books in, he would like run me down on the street, like run out of his store, run me down on the sidewalk when I'm, you know, 10 years old or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he'd be like, oh, I just got this Ted Williams book. Aww. Do you want to borrow it? Just bring it back when you're done. That is Aww. so sweet. So sweet. And all of those people that, when you're in a community like that, like and people talk all the time about, you know, all small town America, whatever, um, or about it being scary and dangerous in the city. And like my experience of li- growing up in the city was very much the opposite. Like there was the bad, scary parts for sure. But my experience was that I was in a place where I was always with people. Right. It was people that I knew from being in this. Right community right no it makes sense because it's like i grew up in the suburbs it's you know i wasn't walking down the street ever yeah <laughs> and I, running into people i knew that was just not something that happened and i like still i still feel more at home walking down the street mm-hmm. than i do in my own house and again that probably speaks to my various traumas <laughs> but that led you to being on our show and we can't thank you enough for being here this was really funny and also very touching and fascinating. And um, thank you. I can't wait to read the the book. It well, sounds really good. We'll see if we'll see if there is a book. No okay. One, no one knows. No one knows if that book exists. No, yet. we don't know. It's just something in your head. At some point, <laughs> at some point, someone might write to Publishers Weekly to tell them to announce something. But at oh, this point, okay. we don't know whether anything exists. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much, Jesse. Thank you guys so much. We will be right back with What Did We Learn Today? Christine. Yeah. Are you ready to learn what we learned today? Yeah. Okay. Tapestries were ubiquitous in the castles and churches of the late medieval and Renaissance eras. At a practical level, they provided a form of insulation, which they did talk about, and decoration that could be easily transported. Mm Mm-hmm. Lydia Hurst is... Patty Hurst's daughter. Oh, not granddaughter, daughter. She and Chris Hardwick married in 2016 and welcomed a daughter in 2022. I did not know that. Congrats. Conk on Earth is Philomena Conk's epic landmark mockumentary on civilization, tracing humanity kind's journey from prehistory to the present day, watched on Netflix. So that's her real name? No, I I Googled it. Okay. It's a fake name. (laughs) Okay, I figured. I was like, there's no way (laughs) Philomena Conk is a real name. Extreme street fight? Remain calm. You got served is a popular phrase from the 2000s used to call a person out. It is typically said to emphasize how a person was just dissed. The phrase is often used in real life, but can appear in texting or online conversations. In the hip-hop world of street dancing, you got served means someone outdid you. Okay, I knew that about the you got served, but I thought, like, serving is a different... Like she's serving. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Like, I think it might even be sort of a RuPaul kind of drag queen kind of thing. That just means you're you're appearing better than. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. Okay. 
get in a boxer stance and they'll either think you're a serious fighter or they'll laugh. <laughs> either way, fight might be over. Do what you got to do. Yeah. Use whatever you can as a weapon. Even if it's your pokey fingers. Tampons. <laughs> oh my God. How could you? You could strangle someone with a string if you tied some. together. I was thinking just pull Nunchucks. them out of your purse and like throw them. Yes. You know, because they might just be horrified by it. Or and a man just might be, ew, ew, ew. Yes, yes. It's going to be a man. Yeah. Knees and nuts. Kick them and run. Oh, I love it. I see a new shirt. The occupation of Alcatraz from November 20th, 1969 to June 11th, 1971 was a 19th month was a 19 month long protest when 89 Native Americans and their supporters occupied Alcatraz Island. The protest was led by Richard Oakes, uh, Lenata Means, and others, while John Trudel served or Trudel served as spokesman. And apparently, uh, Benjamin Bratt was part of it. I bet he was a real cutie. Oh my God, he was probably the cutest five year old ever. Right? I can't think of a cute five year old. Well. Um, that's it for today. And as always, everybody. Or did you want to say something else? Patreon. I would encourage everyone to check out our Patreon. Sign up for any level. If you have any questions, you can reach out to us. And uh, we would love for you to join us on this journey of exclusive membership. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been part of something exclusive before. Well, here's your chance. I may have to sign up just so I feel exclusive. Do it. Okay, I will. And uh, remember, until next time, remain remain calm. calm.